Hello and welcome to the hearth fire. May your troubles be less and your blessings be more and nothing but happiness comes through your door. I'm your host, Caitlin, or as I'm also known, the Ruta Druid. And this is Around the Earth Mother's Hearth, a podcast about modern shamanic living for healing yourself, your community, and our earth. Hello and welcome again. I'm so glad you decided to join me around Earth Mother's Hearth again this week. In this episode, I would like to share with you what shamanism is and what makes someone a shaman, as well as what shamanic practices you can incorporate into your life right now. As always, I'll have the resources linked in the show notes for your exploration of this topic. I do apologize for this episode being a little longer this week. I really wanted to share more about what shamans are and the shamanic practices before I got into more intuitive-led podcast episodes in the coming weeks. So what is shamanism? Shamanism is a path of immediate and direct personal contact with spirit, deeply intuitive and not subject to definition, censorship, or judgment by others, according to Sandra Ingerman and Hank Weisselman. Additionally, shamanism is personal, idiosyncratic, cross-cultural, and not owned by anyone. All people share the earth, and yet each individual experiences the earth in their own way. So everyone experiences shamanism differently. It's personal. It's individual. Perhaps shamanism has survived the ages because it is experiential, practical, interactive, creative, and can be altered based on direct revelation and what is needed in each unique set of situations. Shamanic shamanic (laughs) seeing is whole body sensing and knowing inside that you just you know it's that it's that gut feeling it's that gut reaction that gut feeling that i know all of us have had at some point in our life is actually called extrasensory perception or esp you remember those witches in the shows in the 90s that all ended up with esp this is The receiving of visual images, feelings, insights, flashes, direct knowledge, telepathic messages, gut feelings, sensations, and direct experiences through all aspects and perception facilities of their mind, body, emotions, energy field, and soul. Which is a lot of words to say... ESP is just connecting with the web of life, tapping into that source energy, and being an empty vessel for that information that you're seeking. But what's interesting is modern quantum physics has proven that there are many worlds out there, and many dimensions different realms. I like to think of, you know, maybe we are just a big giant tree and a 
a Yggdrasil, and I don't actually know how you pronounce it. I don't know why I said it that way, but it's it's fine. We're going to roll with it. <laughs> but I like to think that we're a tree, and how comforting would that be to know that we're not alone, that we're just part of this whole being? I think that's pretty great. Um, I think it's even greater that quantum physics has quantum physics. Oh my gosh. No. Yes, it is modern quantum physics. Um, but it's good to know that science is backing these things up as well. Shamans, however, work develops their ESP so they can harness information and energies from these lesser known worlds for practical use in our everyday world. Shamans are able to develop and exercise these senses because they recognize that all things are souls created from, filled with, and sustained by life force energy, that web that connects us all. Everything that exists is alive with life force energy. It's free-flowing, omnipresent, high vibrational energy. Shamans are trained to sense the less dense energy, that subtle energy through bare awareness, state, altered states of consciousness, which might be my favorite, and heightened sensory awareness. Shamans know life force energy is intelligent, omnipotent, formless, and omnipresent. Helping spirits are just higher vibrational spiritual aspects of our everyday world, which means they're all around us all the time, just outside of our ordinary human five sense perception, which I think is wild because I'm sitting here on my wraparound porch and the crows are flying around. I love my crows. Um, but it's, it's just really nice to have that mindset, to have that belief and now scientific thought process. And, and to sit here and think, my grandpa is sitting in the chair right next to me. And I can feel him. I may not be able to see him with my eyes, but I can sense that. And... The only difference is my human body just can't see him. I think that's really cool. And I don't know why anybody would want to not believe something that amazing. But to each their own. It's all a lesson. We're all, we're all in life school trying to figure this out. So... You may find at the edges of your memory that you actually remember this magical world from your childhood. All children have natural capabilities to sense this life force energy around them and see what we as adults cannot. Maybe like me, you remember great adventures with invisible friends as you explored the woods or those wild places in your yard or park. You may think now those friends you played with when you were young were part of your grand imagination. What if it was? And what if 
it wasn't all the same. What if through play you exercised your bare awareness and was able to see non-ordinary realities? Guys, that's what shamans do. Shamans intentionally connect the higher, lower energies through play. The same play you engaged in when you were a child and dreaming up worlds full of magical creatures, of grand adventures. Only these magical creatures are real and just not part of our ordinary reality. These helping spirits have many names and in order to connect with them, we must become aware of their presence, forge and honor relationships with them, and open ourselves up to the high-powered energies surrounding us. We can tap into these energies through divine play. Helping spirits communicate in different ways. So shamans watch and listen for signs from nature within everyday life experiences. Every moment is an opportunity to observe and play when the non-ordinary reality we live in between. Just as shamans call up spirits of specific animals, rocks, trees, plants, and stars for knowledge and assistance, so do they call upon the spirits of power places and energy vortexes. And like Mufasa so eloquently says, All right, I'm back. Right right before I uh, got to say what the great Mufasa said, my dog decided to run away, so I had to go grab her. Um, just because you're uh, able to psychically communicate with your pets, y'all, doesn't mean that they're actually going to listen. That's just my two cents. <laughs> um, where, where were we? We were talking about serious stuff. Uh when we are all okay so life is a cyclical journey not a linear one that's what we're talking about an ongoing dynamic circle of birth growth death and rebirth on every level spiritual energetic emotional mental and physical we are literally all connected as my man mufasa so eloquently said when we die our bodies become the grass and the antelope eat the grass, and so we are all connected in the great circle of life. All right, so how do you become a shaman? Um, I know when I first started down the shamanic path, it was very intimidating to tell people that I am a shamanic practitioner, and I still kind of feel a little weird about that now, Um just because there is such a cultural aspect that goes with it, with like the tribes in um, northern Finland and um, in South America and along the way with having those cultural shamans. Um, however, I don't think culture makes you an earth healer. And a shaman is a word that a European man gave... A group of people, just the Tungus tribe, which is also European, to combine all of these things together. Um, 
shamans cross-culturally do a lot of the same things. Um, even if those cultures have never met before, ever, there's no connection whatsoever. Their, their connection is with spirits. So a lot of their practices are the same or similar, or like a variety of, uh, of the same. Um, so that knowledge and the encouragement that I have received from my ancestors and helping spirit, I'm working on getting a little bit more comfortable and confident with was saying that I am a shamanic practitioner. And that's really what this podcast is about. Um, so let me tell you what cross-culturally and historically what the calling and how you become a shaman. What makes a shaman a shaman? So a shaman's actions and thoughts are what makes them shamans. In traditional shamanic cultures, the community names the shaman, and if they perform their duties regularly, they're busy shamans. Um, There's many different types of shamans. There's the uh, divining information. Um, Oh, these are all traditional shamans and their apprentices. So if you were to go to a um, somewhere down in Peru and to meet with a Peruvian shaman, they would do um, most, if not all of the things that I'm getting ready to describe, they would be in charge of divining information, leading ceremonies, intermediary, preparing people for hunting, gathering, communicating with spirits about hunting and gathering. They would see the future for the community, reading omens, officiating rites of passage, locating wandering souls, retrieving lost power or soul parts, communicating with the dead, influencing the weather, exorcism, sacrifices, plant healing, talking to the native spirits. This is a long list, guys. Bear with me. Singing songs, diagnosing illnesses, learning and exploring universal laws and the ways of energy and power, teaching healing, chiropractor, channeling life force, interpreting dreams, delivering babies, performing energy work, soul crossings, counseling, invoking and helping spirits. Guys, I don't know about you, um, I do a fraction of these things during the day as a special education teacher, um, but I can't do this for everybody. That's a lot of work for one person, and that's what these traditional shamans were trained to do, and to me, that's superhero status, to be able to be that connected with spirit and be so confident with your skills and your training that you can do these things for everybody. Um, So I think that's really, there was a need, they met the need, that's how shamans work. And I think that's really beautiful and I think that we need to remember and lean back on these traditional shamans and their story and their way of doing things just to, to remember that lesson, to remember that, that knowledge of if there's a need, there needs to be a shaman to meet that need. That's the importance, which I think is cool. Um, also, non-indigenous trained in traditional shamanism or by indigenous shamans. So this is where someone from like America would um, go down to South America and study 
their shamanistic practices and they would train that person um, in the ways of their traditional tribal shamanic practices. There's also core shamanism practice practitioners, which is more of what I am. Um, a core shamanic practitioner, and I cannot for the life of me remember their name right now, and that's horrible, but I will link all of this information in the show notes. Um, but core shamanism is essentially where this anthropologist um, studied shamanism cross-culturally and then pulled out the connecting factors of each practice and then kind of put that together as core shamanism. So it's it's similar practices cross-culturally, but it, it has the same effect. Um, and then you can kind of make it your own um, and put your own individual flair, whatever spirit guidance um, with that. Um, there's also indigenous and non-indigenous people that are trained in both traditional and core shamanism. So a lot of people I know are also trained in core shamanism, but I have met a few people who, um, began the process of being trained with a traditional shaman in, in that actual, like the country of that shaman. Um, there are classes of shamans, which I didn't really know until now. Um, but I guess it makes sense. There's classes of people and, oh my gosh, that sounds like we're doing class things, but there's, there's different people, just like there are different shamans. Everybody's different and that's okay. Dark arts and harmful magic, such as spirit, using spirit for selfish reasons. So that's a class of shaman. Um, another class of shaman does not want to innovate because... They, they just want to stick to training. They never want to move out of the training period. They never want to go out and, like, do the thing. Um, then there's the dedicated people who want to be of service to others. There's the wants-to-be-all-powerful innovates if boosts their reputation and rewards. So it's a little bit more of, like, a self-serving shaman. And I'm not saying that's wrong at all. Um, at all. It's just, that's the description that I've been given here from my research. Um, and then there's these that are dedicated to their relationships with helping spirits and being of assistance to others, but who are also innovative, individualized, exploration-minded, and able to wield great powers. That's the one I'm personally striving to be, is to know that this power doesn't come from me, this my the source of my power is is not in my physical body it is my connection with the spirit world and helping spirits and and all of those that are here to support me um in the work that they are asking me to do um and i can do it my own way i can do it with my own flair which is fun so each shaman has a calling in a particular area this can be helping an individual with unhealthy patterns, doctor people with physical health issues, focus on the community, or more for counseling. For many shamans, especially in modern times, their community has become the world. It's a big community, y'all, and we are now connected by social media and this wonderful technology where I can send emails to anyone in Europe right now 
Um, I would get it probably in the morning because I don't know, time is hard and I don't understand time changes. But I could, I could email anybody. I've purchased art from the UK. I think that's wonderful. So our community is the world. We are all connected and closer than ever. Roles and functions of a new neo-shamans trained by traditional shamans depends on the individual practitioner, his or her culture, community, clients, and the teachers he or she is trained with. So there's a little bit more of um, like an expectation um, in that role. One of the goals of the neo-shamanism movement is to support the return of shamanisms to traditional communities and countries where it's been lost or fragmented. No matter the source of training, whether it's traditional, modern, in your dreams, or through your personal experiences, the outcome is always the same. The shaman dies in their old ways of thinking and the way that they act, the way that they live, and give all of that up for a connection with spirit and the web of life and whatever that looks like for them is individual. This is the phenomenon of the shamanic death and rebirth that makes a shaman a hollow bone. Shamanism is not about fun and glamour. Unskilled and educated acts can cause harm or even be life-threatening to the shamanic practitioner, as well as others. Shamanism deals with power, and power can move in many different ways. Like electricity, it is important to move slowly with respect, humility, and care when practicing shamanism. So how do you know you're ready to start developing or your ESP or practicing shamanism or learning from a shaman? How do you know? What is the call? The call to shamanism is usually a life crisis selected and given power by shamanic elders or undeniable inner calling. This calling is a big event that causes a breakdown of ego and a dismantling of the world as the potential shaman knew it and opens the initiate to the new way of perceiving the world and acting in it. Shamans are wounded healers and they experience sickness until they take up that call. They are told to take up this call. It is their calling. Psychological crisis, mental illness, and bouts of madness are in many cases signs and most often the hallmark of a shamanic calling. It's really not that anyone can become a shaman if, if they want to. You can't want to become a shaman and then become a shaman. It is the intention of the spirits that a person becomes a shaman. That, however, does not keep us from participating in shamanic practices. Um, you're not, maybe you're not going to enter into 24-7 baby support and counseling sessions 
but you want to connect with spirit. You want to connect with the weird um, for your own personal healing. And that's important too. I don't, I don't want to discredit that. That's so important. Healing yourself adds more light to that web that needs mending. So by mending yourself, you're mending the rest of the world too. Because that is a ripple effect. Healed people heal people. Okay? Doesn't mean we're not wounded. It just means we're healing. And we're more adept to helping those around us when we've gone through that work ourselves. I personally believe my first initiation into shamanic practices occurred when I was 12. Uh, that year my grandfather died and I remember viewing his death differently. I had expressed, or not expressed, I had experienced um, death before. But this time I was in the home when my grandfather had his last stroke that would ultimately kill him. I remember vividly feeling a sense of calm, but also a great sense of loss, like I had lost a life partner. My grandfather and I were incredibly close, but it wasn't until much later in my adult life that I truly realized how connected we are and continued to be within the weird. That night, after the funeral, when everyone was sleeping, I spoke to my grandfather and offered a prayer to him in the spirits. I asked them to help me carry the light. I knew in some way that this was going to keep me connected to my grandfather. And as an adult and currently having this epiphany on this podcast, because that's how spirit works, guys. Um, like that wasn't, that wasn't a mistake that was supposed to happen. I needed my grandfather, who happened to be a very beloved um, wife in one of my past lives. I needed, I needed to feel connected to him in order to take up shamanic practices and heal myself. So that I could be of better service to my community, to the kids I teach at school, um, and to my own family. So... Wow, what a blessing. Um, guys, that's how shamanism works. You, you don't have to be a shaman to benefit from these shamanic practices. It's, it's really just understanding you're not alone. Um, so, wow, that was really cool. Okay, back to our regularly scripted podcast. <laughs> Enduring pain, both physical, disp- um, Physical and emotional pushes the shamanic initiate to the edges of stamina, fortitude, and sanity. Um, the spirits really like to test initiates' commitment, but it also hurts that, hurls them into a deeper connection with their helping spirits and energies in non-ordinary worlds. It's a lot. Shamans often experience dismemberment, or what is called a shamanic death, leaving the body and becoming spirit. This releases the stronghold of the old mind, stimulating new ways of thinking and new awareness of the spirit self's connection to that web of life. 
Uh, dismemberment is not something that feels amazing. And to be honest, it's not something I have ever asked for. However, sometimes spirit doesn't want to wait any longer and will put you into a life crisis to get you moving. Um, I believe if you look back on your life, you'll see moments where spirit has also thrown you into a life crisis to get you moving on the best path. For myself, death of loved ones, experiencing molestation of my person as a young woman, the divorce from my first husband, and starting my life over again are all examples of when spirit uses a life crisis to humble my ego so I can open up my mind and gain insights and teachings from spirit. Which is incredible. So now when you look back at all those really crappy things that happen, it doesn't feel like it's still really crappy. Um, But it gives you a sense of purpose. And I'm not saying the spirits caused this. I'm saying you were already probably, I know for me, I was already in a crappy situation. And they kind of were the catalyst for whatever that was getting to the breaking point and me snapping out of whatever stupor I was in and realizing that I needed help. And, you know, for that, I'm grateful. I really am. For shamans to be of spirit, well, to be of spirit as well as to be of service, (laughs) Oh my gosh, Whew, that was that was a lot, guys. Um, wow, just beautiful. The sh- for the f- there's monarch butterflies just hanging around my porch, and I need you all to know that it is just absolutely magical out here. Um, I'm learning how to master garden, so maybe in a couple of episodes I will be able to um, share with you more about building a butterfly garden to support these pollinators that are now on the endangered species list. But I just want to tell you right now that if you, if you're even remotely interested in making your yard a magical fairyland, support your butterflies. Um, so that's my plug for Save the Monarchs. <laughs> but seriously, Save the Monarchs. All right, for shamans to be of service, they must maintain a clear mind, focused intention, and relationship with helping spirits. The shaman's connection with spirits requires intense dedication, focus, intention, and clarity. These qualities require that shamans pay close attention to themselves and live impeccably. That's a lot of pressure. This is about each individual shaman living according to her, his or her energetic nature and spirit guidance and from his own soul and spirit connections. You work from the soul to maintain clarity. Again, you don't have to be a shaman to engage in shamanic practices. But to be a shaman and to accept the call means constantly working on self-healing and self-development. It is a lifetime of inner shadow work and breaking down the ego. Not living authentically 
can cause leak energy, loss of personal power, and form energy blockages that may be experienced as emotional discomfort or a decline in physical health. Because of this delicate line shamans and shamanic practitioners walk, it is common for many to be open to the human experience, but also detached. Many shamans live on the outskirts of the community, on the outskirts of society. They are of the people. They know they're here on this planet and they're part of a community. But at the same time, they, they need that quiet space, that quiet space where there's not so much energy from other people around and they can have that time to rest and, and to really tap into source and and those sorts of things. Shamans are usually free spirits and they love to come and go in their quest to connect with the boundless, most pure forms of life force, nature, and spirit energies. If you've ever met a modern day shaman or someone, maybe they don't identify themselves as a shaman, but they're doing a lot of the work that I just described. Um, check it out. Do they travel a lot? Do they, do they have a lot of different hobbies? Do they like to, are they, are they more on the adventurous side and, and have that playful attitude? Maybe, maybe they're, they're really shamans and they just don't know it. That could happen too. All right. So where do shamans get their insights? Well, they can do that through a shamanic journey, which is some of you might be more familiar with, um, going into a meditative trance-like state with the use of um, a rhythmic sound like drums or rattles or using some sort of um, hallucinogen or an altered state that supports that trance-like state. And they will either go to the lower world or the upper world. Sometimes they'll go to the middle world, which is our normal reality that we're in right now. Um, in the lower world, that's where really the womb of Mother Earth, like that's considered the wombs of Mother Earth. And that's where you can get healings of all types for self and others, as well as many other reasons. Um, a shaman might travel up to the upper world to receive high vibrational energy cleansing, power filling, healing, guidance, wisdom, teachings for themselves and on behalf of the client and community. Um, but that's not the only way. Stories are real. And I hope to talk with you more about stories that I find that are super inspiring um, in regards to this topic. But Stories are real, and they're living, and they're animate beings, they're energies that live both in the ordinary and non-ordinary worlds. Stories can move through people to be shared, and spirit uses stories to teach. So a shaman may get some of their knowledge from stories that was passed down from their mentor, or, you know, from the spirits. Songs are also open doors to the non-ordinary realities. Um, and spirits love to sing out, to call. Um, shamans love to call out their, their helping spirits through song. 
Songs draw attention, focus the intention, weave the energies of the people and the universe together. This Finnish song cycle was is from the Keovala. And I would like to read this to you now because it, it puts a lot of this into perspective for the song. The cold offered me the lays out there. The rain sent me often songs. Other ballads the wind brought me. The waves carried them to the shore. Birds shaped words into tones. Talking sounded from the crows of trees. It's not the personal shaman it's not the shaman's personal power that's effective it truly is that shaman that person's ability to tap into source um if a shaman due to the nature of their work of a shaman taps too much into their own personal power or they're they end up with a blockage of some kind um, they may experience energy loss due to this, the, the nature of the work and the energy that they're working with. Um, this could cause power energy loss, low energy, loss of vitality, feeling a spiritual void. All of these are symptoms of energy loss. There's also a um, deep dispiritedness or the inability to enter the non-ordinary worlds of spirit is also energy loss. So, for example, um, where it may be just you, you're trying to get into that trance-like state, you're trying to contact your helping spirits, but you're not really able, you're just on the, on the corner of it and you're not able to get yourself focused enough to, to tap into... Or even relaxed enough to tap into, um, tap into source. Shamans will sometimes need to consult other shamans if this sort of thing happens. Or go on a vision quest, enter a time in solitude, or petition for their power to return from the spirits. How a shaman um, can avoid and prevent this energy drain from happening is just diligently checking in those daily that daily shadow work that daily journaling checking in with your body however you check in with your body and your soul is is how you prevent this type of soul loss shamans are students of life and everything and everyone is a teacher so shamans are always aware awake alert and observant Alright, so we've talked a little bit about what a shaman is, what their roles are in the community, how you become a shaman, and then how shamans work with the, the weird, that, that energy, that life force that's all around us. Let's talk a little bit about shamanic healing. Shamanic healing is where a shaman works with helping spirits and energy to restore wholeness, balance, and power to a person being or place this is restoration restoration of your body restoration of your soul working with the soul heals the physical difficulties shamans see all physical mental emotional illnesses as manifestation of spiritual and energetic imbalances 
Therefore, spiritual and energetic intervention can have an impact on any illness. Shamanic healing is a cooperative and interactive experience involving the shaman, the client, nature, and helping spirits. To overlook the participation of any of these integral parties is to miss the beauty and the mystery of shamanic healing. Shamans believe that the health of a person's energy field is as critical to the health and well-being that a person as the health as the physical body, perhaps even more so. One way shamans address energy blockages is to dissolve them with the focused use of um, energy combined with intention and visualization. Intrusions um, happens with people sometimes. This is where um, inorganic entities or unhealthy thoughts or emotion forms. We've all done this, yes. Uh, to shamans, these energies are tenacious entities that like to partake of energies, of higher energies and pleasures of the physical body, um, but they don't have one of their own. So all of those things are, are considered dis-ease in the body. Sometimes helping spirits will disengage from a person or if the person pushes them away consciously or unconsciously. Um, shamans will refer to this as the resulting disconnection as being dispirited. The result of dispiritedness is actual spirit power loss. When humans have experiences that the solar psyche view as traumatic, they can experience soul loss, which in, is pure high vibrational soul energy called soul parts separates from a person's core soul. A shaman is able to go in and take care of all of those things, um, heal all of those areas. Essentially, a shaman will go in and, for example, if you're missing soul parts, if something traumatic happened in your soul, a part of your soul is somewhere else, um, the shaman is able to go into trance and with the help of spirits to locate um, wherever that part of your soul is hiding in, in whatever realm, whatever world, whatever ordinary, non-ordinary reality, and is able to communicate with that soul part and convince, not convince, but essentially act as a mediary, um, a counselor between the person, like the rest of the soul and that, that small piece of soul and work on getting both of those parts back in harmony so that they can re, rejoin um, and become a whole soul again. So shamans really focus on the whole picture. You're a whole person. You're a whole soul. You are energy. Like there's, you're not just your physical ailment that you can see or experience in your physical body. So how do we? What is the solution for this imbalance? It sounds like from from what I have read and what we have discussed tonight, imbalance is the the biggest form of um, disease in the body is when we're imbalanced. And shamans help us restore that balance. But what can we do on our own that 
also helps us get back into balance. When humans have experiences that the solar psyche views as traumatic, they can experience soul loss, which is pure high vibrational soul energy called soul parts separates from a person's core soul. So, uh, for example, this was one way that it was described to me um, during some of my shamanic practitioner training was um, something traumatic happens and then a piece of a person's soul detaches from the whole soul and so that leaves a leakage it leaves a hole it leaves a a piece of you missing and that soul part may be hiding somewhere or somewhere where it feels safe and comfortable in either the ordinary realm or non-ordinary realms whatever the reality is that it decides to go because it can go anywhere um and a shaman works with helping spirits to open that line of communication, find that missing soul part, and be the mediator between um, the whole soul and the soul part to reconcile and reconnect so that they're a whole soul again. So it really is about the whole picture. It is about balance. It is about staying in balance. Um... That's an extreme case where someone would need a shamanic um, practitioner or shaman to come in and help with with connecting the soul parts again or, or opening that communication for the soul parts to come back together. Um, but there are things that you can do at home that maybe you've had a bad day at work and or maybe someone in your family did something real shitty. And it hurt yourself. Like, it, it, it hurt you. You're, it was traumatic for you. Um, trauma comes in different forms, right? And part of your soul is missing. Maybe it's back at the funeral home. Uh, maybe you left it at school after talking to a kid who just, like, had a really, has had a really horrible life and nothing is going right for this, for this kid. Um, and you just care about them so much and a part of your soul decided to stay with them. So you can work on calling your soul back for yourself on days like those. And this will keep you more in balance, which will keep you or prevent you from experiencing physical ailments or disease in your body. Um, again, this is the whole picture. So this with regular practice could could bring the whole picture in alignment. Um, so how do we do that? That's what we're talking about. How do we do that? Honestly, guys, it's play. Play is important. Like, it's going to sound funny, but go play with yourself. Seriously, go frolic in a field somewhere. Um, look at flowers like it's the first time you've ever seen a marigold talk to the caterpillars that are walking across your path on the sidewalk Um, go out and just imagine bring those imaginary friends back 
You know they were real in the in the end. You know. Bring them back. Have those conversations again. William Beebe from The Log of the Sun says nature is full of genius, full of divinity, so that not a snowflake escapes its fashioning hand. Wandering in nature feeds the soul and frees the mind for seeking. And seeking encourages wisdom. Wisdom is knowledge in action. Wandering in nature calms our mind. Seeking cultivates our bare awareness, and bare awareness changes the complexion of our thoughts, feelings, beliefs, neighborhoods, parks, beaches, forests, revealing internal and external treasures we've never noticed before. Our mind expands, limits fall away, our heart sings, the world becomes alive and animated, and nature speaks to us. When we play in nature, we become part of nature. We become, we become part of the one. Somehow we always come back to the point that everything is part of the whole. We are all connected. Influencing the outcome of future of our lives and the planet we are living on. What we think and how we are, it's not just a one-time event and later gone. Every thought has a life by itself and every action has an effect that reaches far beyond what we can understand. Grandfather Simuhuat, Chamish Medicine Man. I'm sure I butchered his name, and I apologize for that. For many people, separation from one another causes energy and loss common to spiritual illnesses that modern-day shamans are called to treat. We made the world the way it is, whether we did it consciously or unconsciously. Shamanism is far too important to be left in the hand of only the shamans. That's what Victor Sanchez said, author and Toltec shamanism teacher. The loss of our connection to the earth, nature, to helping spirits and one another, the earth, the animals, everything, adds up to insurmountable soul loss. Guys, those shamans, those traditional shamans, those neo-shamans, those core shamans, they need your help. Shamanism offers us reconnection. It is a simple path that involves cultivating wholeness, balance in the sacred and both spiritual practice in an everyday life. Unfortunately, most of us are bombarded with constant stress, busyness, and a lack of awareness and know-how. And over time, develop patterns and behavior that are dangerously driving away soul and personal energies. To practice shamanism in the modern culture and in our own home environment, we need only to wake our consciousness, our awareness of self, nature, life force, energy, and spirit, and reap the rich experiences available to us in each moment. Modern shamanism is not a practice of taking or borrowing someone else's religion or spiritual beliefs. Nor does it involve copying the ways of the Mexican Nahuel, the Lakota medicine woman, 
African Dagara healer or Peruvian shaman. There is no need for to the initi- there is no need to imitate. The practice of shamanism is intimately personal and unique to every individual practitioner. Animism, the web of life, spirit, and sacredness are omnipresent. They are everywhere, in everything, and belong to everyone. Self-healing is easier said than done, and yet it was within each person's power. Sometimes it is the very thing that wakes you up to yourself and your own powers. When we understand that the best and quickest way to achieve all of our goals and live the life which we have dreamed is to assist others in achieving their goals and living the life they have dreamed, will we have found the key to lasting happiness? Neil Donald Wash, Happier Than God. Sometimes dreams, visions, experiences, signs, messages, and omens propel you towards a shamanic way of living. To become your own shaman is to allow yourself to become an instrument of communication between the non-ordinary worlds of spirit and the ordinary world. Your inner nature is not separate from the outer nature of your world. You may not think you are a nature person, but that doesn't make you any less part of nature. To be a shaman you must bring the wisdom conveyed by the signs and omens of ordinary and lessons you learned from non-ordinary world journeys into your real everyday life through practical understanding and action. To be a shamanic practitioner, you go outside and you play and you heal yourself with the power that is inside you. And using the teachings from these amazing shamans around the world and the teachings of all of these amazing shamans. And you bring that into your personal life, whatever it looks like to you. And you heal your soul. And then when you heal your soul, you heal your community or your family, really. And when you're done healing your family, which is never, it's a never ending job, so there's no done. Um... But after that, then you start working on your community. And each person that you impact from following a shamanic life path and healing your soul, healing yourself, bringing that reconnection back to spirit, with spirit, it's a ripple effect. It'll touch so many lives. And if we touch those lives... Was to say that we're not going to make Mother Earth better. I think we will. I think Mother Earth needs us to do this work right now. To be the shamans in our own lives. To bring these shamanic practices, this idea of divine play, into your everyday modern life. So we can greet every day with a sense of wonder and every day of feeling like we belong and waking up every day knowing that we have an earth that sustains us and loves us and wants to be part of our lives. We just have to take care of her. I hope that this 
podcast helped you understand a little more about what shamans are, um, what shaman, shamanic practitioners do, the, um, shamanic lifestyle and, and healing, I, um, only wanted to share this information not because I am an expert in this area whatsoever. All of this came from resources that I will put in the notes. Um, but I wanted us all to have a, an understanding. Wow. Thank you all for joining me on this podcast today. I, I love talking about shamanic practices and shamans that um, have impacted the world in such amazing ways and and how we can take their lead we can learn from their example and and help them out on this huge task um, that they are given from spirit I I hope that you were able to take some of this insight and new knowledge or maybe it's old knowledge but sometimes I like to remember I, I love when spirit reminds me through podcasts or whatever I'm reading that, hey, I know that. Um, but I hope you take this information and you're able to start exploring and playing with how to connect, how to bring shamanic practices into your modern day life. And I'd love to hear, I'd love to hear about your journey. If you'd like to email me or um, send me a message on any one of my socials, please do. I, I want to be your cheerleader. I want to support you on this journey as well. And I want to, I want to sit in the stage and clap and, and be happy for you. And, and just glad that, you know, I was shared this information and I'm excited to share this information with somebody else and I hope you share this information with somebody else and this information will just keep sharing and we will just keep healing the world. And I think that's really powerful. So thank you again for tuning into this podcast. Um, if you have anything, I'm Midwestern goodbye this podcast as well. Um, if you have any topics or... Um, any podcast episodes that you would like to hear me talk about, um, let me know. Um, say something in the comment section of um, any of my social medias, anything like that. Shoot me a message. I'd, I'd love to hear from you of what you would like to learn about next. And as always, there'll be an intuitive swing on it when I do talk to spirit and they let me know what direction we're taking each topic. <laughs> so, I know when you know. Um, Thank you all again. And I hope you have a blessed. I hope you all are blessed.